Hi everyone! Thank you for tuning in to Running Like a Girl. I'm your host Hannah and on today's first episode, which is super exciting, I am going to be interviewing Emma Whistler, who is an athlete who attends Emerson and has a lot of experience with competitive dance, rowing, soccer, and so much more. And we're going to dive into a bunch of different topics surrounding women in athletics and greater social issues about athletics in general. So sit back, relax, and enjoy my podcast. Hi, Emma. Hello, everybody. Uh, my name's Emma. I am a junior at Emerson. I'm currently not doing any sports, but I have a lot of experience uh, from high school, uh, middle school, and elementary school. Ever since I was little, I've been playing a bunch of different sports. I guess I can start off with the first one I played. I feel like most kids, when they're five or six, uh, usually get thrown into soccer. I've played soccer since I was about five years old and I my dad got me into it. He was kind of uh, an influence on that. He always played soccer when he was younger. So then he was also a coach for a while. I played soccer, I think up until up until high school. So I played at least like 11 or 12 years. I started off just playing recreationally and then it sort of, sort of shifted to more competitive. So I would be on teams that would travel, so travel team they call it. And uh, I did that for every single year up until high school. And then high school, I tried out for the teams there. The tryouts were really, really brutal. It was a lot of demanding running and exercises and workshops. So that was not fun, but I made the team. So then I was on my freshman year, I was on uh, the freshman team. My sophomore year, I was on junior varsity. And after that, I quit soccer because I was tired of it. I met a lot of cool people from playing soccer. I grew up with playing with girls around local cities that I might not see in school, so that was really nice. Uh, But I got bored of it after a while, and then I swapped to rowing. Um, I'm also going to quickly touch on maybe I can talk about dance for a little bit because that's something that I I also did. Um, You also danced? Yeah. Oh, I I danced competitively. Yeah. Just to jump in really quick, for my experience, I'm sure you're going to talk about this too, especially as a female dancer, there are so many stereotypes around the sport of dance, whether or not dancing competitively even is a sport. Yeah, some and people don't even say it's a sport, which is not right. true. <laughs> people, people forget the hard work that goes into dance, which is one part of athletic culture that I think is also super feminized because I knew a bunch of male dancers actually in my studio who were not gay, which was a really big issue for them because, you know, if you're a male ballerina, you have to be angelic and you have to be light on your feet. Mm -hmm. And girls would always whisper, you know, oh, who is he dating? What guy is he going to get with? And it was just super degrading for them, I'm sure. So, you know, the the athletic culture... even, Even the parents would be like that. I remember at my studio, like, there would be a few... We didn't have many male dancers at our studio, which I think is a common theme in most dance studios. But the ones that we did, I always hear the mothers and dance moms that's an even that's a completely different topic that we don't even need to veer into um but they would always be talking about how oh check out that one he's definitely gonna grow up to be something and I'm just like man 
Let him be. This is how you traumatize children. (laughs) When you rowed, was it co-ed? In the races, it wasn't co-ed. It was, we would do co-ed rowing practicing. In the races, it was separated, which I think there there are sometimes some co-ed races, but for the ones that I did, I never actually rowed a co-ed boat. If you just want to talk about kind of the gendered stereotypes surrounding these sports that you participated in, and if anything you can remember kind of gave you any feeling of discomfort, because I know personally, as a runner, I have felt a lot of discomfort in competing and in training. I started rowing my sophomore year of high school, so in the spring. I started as a novice that second semester, and then after that, I went up to varsity. So I was on the varsity team uh, my junior, all of my junior year and all my senior year, and then senior year, I was a captain for the team. Something I've noticed, I guess, that not hasn't really discomforted me, but has always frustrated me. In terms of my rowing team, this isn't necessarily everywhere, but I've always noticed that the guys' team was always a little bit paid more attention to than the girls' team. Now, when I started rowing as a novice, we had a really, really powerful girls' team. They actually went on to go row in Charles. the head of the Charles. Yeah, so a lot of local um, uh, greater Boston area teams. I rode for a team called Medford High School. Uh, it's about 20 minutes from Boston, so not super far. We, we would row on the Mystic, which is connected to the Charles. But a lot of teams would put in a boat for a lottery, and every other year, either a girls' team or a guys' team would get it. So we were lucky we got a girls' team boat in that year. Uh, I never got to row in it because the year that I wanted to, it was the guys. So that kind of sucked. But I did get to see some of my team members row in the head of the Charles, which is really awesome. The girls team has always been much, much smaller than the guys team. We've definitely grown as a crew. It was, I can't remember when the Medford rowing team started, uh, but it started very, very small. We had maybe one or two boats and our boat yards definitely increased from then. So the girls team has always been much smaller than the guys team, even if it was by like one or two people. And then as we grew more, each team would grow a little bit more, but the guys team was always larger. When I started my junior year, it was in the fall, it was it was larger, and then the spring, it decreased again. Something I noticed was that a lot of coaches shifted around for the girls' team, whereas the guys' team, they had, they had one coach, and he was pretty solid in always paying attention to him. Freshman, or not freshman, rather, novice year, so when I was a sophomore, uh, we had one novice coach. He was fine. And then we got switched to a different coach. We had a different coach than, than the guys' team, and he was great, and that was fine. But then they did this thing in the spring where they swapped coaches again. Our coach was given to the novice team because they needed another novice coach because a different novice coach got fired for other reasons. Uh, There was a little bit of drama on the crew team (laughs) uh, in terms of coaches and stuff. But the guys coach then went on to coach the girls and the guys. So we would row together, not necessarily in the same boats but we would be rowing and practicing together as one team so we bring out four boats so maybe two girls and two guys boats the girls would be given a head start which at the time makes sense because the guys in those boats they are a lot stronger and they can row a little bit faster and so usually we would it it would work out so two girls boats were rowing against each other and then the two guys boats were rowing against each other did you ever have a female coach once i had a female coach uh maybe for a little bit she was more like a a side coach. She actually, I actually rode with her, uh, and then she graduated and came back to coach a little bit more. But she was mostly there for the middle school team uh, and the novices, so she got swapped to them. So, for the most part, no. 
Other than that, we haven't had any female, like I haven't had a female coach uh, in rowing. I mean, I was going to assume that, but I wanted to ask. So do you think your experience would have been different personally or for the team had you have had a female coach? I think maybe. I think maybe we would have been able to connect to that said female coach a little bit more. Uh, Maybe it would have been more enjoyable. Not to say that I didn't like the coaches that I had, but again, she is facing the same struggles that I do as a female rower, or she has faced the same struggles. She was also on my team, so she understood better. So I think that would have made things a little bit easier, and also just knowing us more personally and knowing how our bodies work compared to guys. Like I don't think it matters too much if you have a male or female coach, but I think that if I had a female coach for the majority of my rowing team, it might have made it a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, not even not even to say that have it because when I played soccer, I had a male coach. Yeah, you know, I had and I had well freshman year I had a male coach, mm-hmm. and then all throughout my soccer career, I had mostly male coaches, and then I had a few female coaches um, junior year. Uh, sorry, sophomore year. Uh, so it's been mixed and matched. <laughs> yeah, and again, like not saying that's a bad thing, but because when I when I danced, my my teachers and coaches were were women, and yeah, just even same. comparing that to my experience with soccer, I just felt like I could tell them more. Not not even yeah, like, yeah. like I felt like it was more of a relationship and a friendship as and less of like a power structure. Mm-hmm. Cause sometimes I felt like my male soccer coach would be very intense, which like he should, you know, like he should be, coaches yeah. coaches should be. But I think that in certain ways, like I, I didn't realize the benefit of it until I started dancing competitively and really created like a family there. And again, it's just super interesting to look at these trends I guess like these commonalities that you and I have faced and how it's not necessarily a detriment to have a male coach but just thinking about how maybe my experience could have been different just because it was a a female coach yeah and I think that it's not necessarily good or bad but it's Mm -hmm. yeah like you said it's it's different it's a uh, you can't really know that unless you are a woman and you've had a female coach versus a male coach and there are like slight differences that's not to say that female coaches are any less tough because that is not true my female soccer coach was absolutely terrifying like many of us were very very terrified of her but at the end of the day there's just a little bit of a relationship that you just can't have when you have a male coach yeah exactly and i that's the thing it's like you're always gonna have this there's a power structure in any sport yeah because definitely. you have mentors you have coaches who are supposed to guide you I just think you know even looking at it as if what if the male soccer team had a female coach I don't think that that's ever happened you know now that you mentioned that when when did you know because like when you were young like the dads always coached yeah my dad my dad always yeah coached, yeah, yeah like my my dad coached my brother's basketball team and my friend's dad was actually my soccer coach when we were little but it's like when were moms ever coaches never yeah their soccer moms are they sit on the side and they cut orange slices for after the games that's really funny that you mentioned that I don't think I've ever had a soccer mom coach maybe maybe one time briefly but for the most part I've mostly had male coaches like dads doing it and I don't know why that's the standard but it is just like when when's the last time you heard like soccer dad 
soccer you, dad. Like when you picture yeah. soccer mom, you picture a mom with a big Honda minivan. And yeah, like you said, the orange. she's got her yoga clothes. <laughs> Me and my friends used to joke about how we would be different like mom stereotypes. And I was always the soccer mom. Not that I will ever <gasps> become one. <laughs> but it's um, funny, like. No one ever told me moms can't do this, dads can do this, but that's mm-hmm. just how we grew up, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like stereotyping yeah. men into one role in the athletic world, which is coach, you mm-hmm. know, sports director, and then the women are on the sidelines, cheerleaders, you know? Like, look at the NFL. There's the ratio of, like, just even associated with the team, like, as far as trainers, and it's overwhelmingly male. The, the women, you know, like, the cheerleaders are there to stand and look pretty. That's the female representation in the sport of football. Yeah, and the, the sad thing about the sports industry and it, is that it's been male-dominated for the entirety of history, and it will continue to be male-dominated for maybe as long as I'm here on this earth because it's just, like, if you if you go and watch a sports game, like, it's always male like football baseball basketball hockey soccer not to say that people don't watch uh women's professional sports which they're there they just (laughs) people don't watch them um yeah women's women's basketball isn't on the 8 p.m friday night primetime game (laughs) yeah exactly like that's not what people are catered to even 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 male even female viewers watch male based sports because that is the standard um I'm not an avid sports watcher but my family is very big on it on sports they love sports they love football basketball baseball so all I see is that um I think one of my favorite things is when the women's world cup is on and I think (laughs) I've seen a few comparisons I'm sure you've seen this before about how uh the men tend and uh, when they get hit in soccer they tend to be a little bit dramatic um when they fall down and then when you see people in the women's world cup they're just ripping people's hair and pushing them down and not to say that's okay in the game because it's not and they'll probably get a yellow card but um it's just funny how those interactions are a little bit different um and the men are doing it typically so they can get out of the game or like cause a penalty and get another penalty kick in but the women in those soccer games are savages and I don't know why more people don't watch them because it's pretty good (laughs) related to that you actually just reminded me we talked about this in class the Serena Williams cartoon oh yeah her throwing a fit after she lost at the was that the U.S. Open I think it was yeah Yeah, she there's a cartoon that circulated about maybe a month ago, of Serena Williams throwing a temper tantrum after she lost the U.S. Open because she protested the loss to the referee and quote-unquote made a scene and threw a fit. And it, you know, it was a huge news story about her pouting and not accepting the loss and being a baby about it. Mm -hmm. And now even just you talking about males in soccer, let alone you know, every other sport, you know, guys always protest and cause, you know, make a scene and throw temper tantrums about a wrong call or, you know, something that is frustrating to them because they lost. But then when Serena Williams did it, it caused such a big scene because she's a woman. And that would have never happened if 
Roger Federer called out the, <laughs> the the male the male referee. You know, it's just that's another example of like gendered athletics in the world we live in and it's just unavoidable because it just causes so much attention when it's a woman causing a scene rather than a man because maybe we don't see it as often and that's the whole point is you know when it happens it's such a big deal because oh she's a woman and she needs to keep her mouth shut whereas like you know no she doesn't yeah that's actually funny that this this isn't entirely related to sports but it is related to women in terms of men, and me, me and my mom were actually literally talking on the when she was dropping me dropping me off at the train station today. She, we were talking about this, um, and she was talking about a House of Cards episode where, um, spoiler alert, I guess I don't watch the show, but if you do, and she was talking about this episode where um, one of the characters' wives like became president, and um, she uh, fired everybody on the cabinet board and hired an entire team of women and my mom started talking about how um that was really awesome she's like yes woman power and I'm like oh that's so funny that's just like the midterm elections just happened it's so weird how that's a that episode recently aired and they filmed it before that but that's how the midterm elections kind of came out like we have so many great women in power now um and then somehow we got onto the topic about how they're need to be more women in politics and how men are allowed to make a fuss about things and be strong and tough and when they make strong and tough decisions they're awesome which is great like you should be doing that in politics like do your job um but when women do it uh they get seen as bitches um regardless of what it is if they're just doing their job but they're being tough oh she's a bitch and i think that can be seen in sports too uh, like it's it's always because she's a woman. It's the same. It's it's the same exact thing. You're one hundred percent right, and that's why I kind of in this like whole journey of creating this podcast, I kind of wanted to explore how exactly you hit the nail on the head. How these ideas that are focused in athletics transcribe into everyday life. You know, greater social issues of femininity and masculinity, and how the dichotomy of it is just unavoidable. You know, we're, we're brought up to learn these things and, you know, just picture soccer moms, not <laughs> soccer dads. And, you know, kind of just, yeah, we're just, we're just used to it. So jumping into the next part of our conversation, I wanted to talk about uh, a campaign that I'm sure you're aware of. It was super popular and just kind of how it paints the picture of female athletes in a really, really interesting way. So it's the Dove Like a Girl campaign. I think, yes, I've seen it before. Yeah. yeah so it was a bunch, it was a series yes, of, yes, uh, yeah, video <laughs> ads where they have young girls and, you know, adult women, the whole, the whole spectrum <laughs> kind of put into a room and the interviewee says, run like a girl and these girls run with all their might and all the power that they can because to them to these younger girls like a girl doesn't isn't negative and then exactly and then they bring in older women older athletes and boys and men and even the younger boys when it's said little you know 10 year olds told run like a girl he flails his arms around he's giggling he's not putting any power behind it and same went for the men and the older women as well also kind of were oh just flailing around (laughs) ha 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 like a girl so even just this idea of 
like a girl has a negative connotation and there's, you know, there's no power associated with femininity in the athletic world. So I kind of just wanted to get your opinion on that and how you think, if at all, it maybe changed how you look at sports and how that connotation has maybe affected your athletic journey. Yeah, I think I think that's really interesting. And I've had a lot of conversations uh, with my friends about, um, oh, well, girls can do it too. Like, guys can do it too. And, like, there have been some arguments that have happened about whether or not a girl can do something um, and if they have the physical ability to do so. Um, and I think, personally, that a girl can do anything if she sets her mind to it. I, I think she needs to get there with the physical strength that she has. Um, but... I don't think it's not possible. So I'm glad that Dove uh, did this campaign because, again, there's always been this double standard about females in sports compared to males in sports. And while, yes, it is true that the physical makeup of a male is, like, they are built differently than women, um, and they might have possibilities to do stronger sport or they have the strength to do things but I don't think that means that a a woman can't get there maybe not to the same level uh this is why I have such an issue with how they're like we were talking about co-ed sports earlier I think I actually mentioned this to you but I think that there's definitely a big problem with how uh people in sports are separated I think that sports should be based on not only your talent but weight and body mass and um, height because there are some men that have the same body mass index and same height and same features, not not necessarily the same features, but you know what I mean, um, as some women and they would be fine, <laughs> go head to head in whatever sport they want. Um, actually, to go back to rowing um, on this topic, we used to do practices with co-ed boats, so sometimes we'd be paired with guys. And the way it would work is that um, we would probably usually guys with stronger. Um, it's called an erg score. If you if you don't row, you don't know what that means. It's essentially uh, how fast you can, how fast and powerful you can row. It's tested by uh, these thing called erg machines. You probably see them in the gym. They're just rowing machines. Um, but usually you do a two k test. Uh, and it'll test how fast you can row for 2K. So how fast you can row in 2,000 kilometers. It's a typical race. Usually the average for males that you want in terms of high school rowing, like you want them to be able to break a seven minute. And for females, you want them to be able to break an eight minute. So I never, I got really, really close to breaking eight. It's, it's hard to do. It's a big feat. Uh, I never did it. Maybe one day I'll do it again. I can. All I have to do is take out an erg machine. So yeah, there were a few few women on our team that broke eight, and then a few men on our team that broke seven. But for high school, it's a little harder to do, especially if it's not a super big club team that practices really intensely. But when we would do rowing in co-ed, they would do it so that a woman's the women's erg tests were matched up with men's, um, so the boats would be even. Um, so why can't they do that (laughs) in real life? (laughs) Kind of going off of that, which this is something I've experienced in running. I have personally never run a qualified marathon start time, but this is something I know that exists Mm -hmm. in competitive running and marathons and half marathons. 
the men elite runners start before the women and that's not something that's based on pace per mile are they are they rowing oh my god rowing (laughs) are they running for marathons are they running you guys are just running against each other right is it co-ed or are they separated so for the elite women and the elite men yes it is separated but say for instance the elite woman finished before the elite man she wouldn't beat him she would beat the other women because the men That's silly because like i said like pace per mile isn't you know it's it's based on gender so it's really just cut into the male elite runners always begin first for the for the boston marathon say for instance and the female elite runners start i think it it depends maybe it's it's very soon after maybe mm. 5 minutes but it's just you know it's not gauged on that and i would love to learn more about the exact statistics behind it if a woman ever did past the male runner Mm -hmm. or how that's kind of judged and qualified but I know that it's based on gender so that women never start before a man it's always the men the men lead the pack you know you're being compared to the men man I mean the male pace per mile and their start time their finish time and you know it doesn't matter if you have more muscle mass or a faster pace per mile you're always going to start behind Mm -hmm. the male and I've listened to quite a few podcasts of female elite runners. Uh, winner of the 2018 Boston Marathon, Des Linden. I listened to one that was super interesting where she kind of talked about how she just kind of doesn't focus on that anymore. And she kind of just focuses on herself and her race, which is kind of the beauty of running. It is pretty individualistic. You're really just racing against yourself in a way. Mm-hmm. Like for me personally, it's about beating my PR and it's just interesting how even in a sport like running where it is so individualistic, it's not about strength, male versus female, or, you know, people don't watch running on TV, so it's not really gendered. Except for the Boston Marathon. Yeah, except for the marathon. It's not gendered in that way, but it has a lot of traditions that are based in gender and kind of just unavoidable to think about and just always be comparing yourself to the males who are always ahead. And I kind of think that touches on just the idea (laughs) that males always start first, finish first, you know, finish at the top. Like, it's just interesting how even for me, who I don't qualify to run you know, marathons, but I feel it too, just standing next to a man and feeling like that competitive nature almost, like Mm -hmm. the need to win and be strong. And it's just almost a little sickening. (laughs) Another thing I wanted to talk about, which I have faced a little bit, I don't know if you faced it, is just the physical idea of being a female athlete Mm. and women being seen as quote unquote too muscly or, you know, not not strong enough it's almost like you can't win you know if you're if you're too lean you know it's where where her muscles but if you have big biceps typically associated with a man and masculinity Mm -hmm. you're too buff and it's not attractive yeah that's that's definitely something i've i've seen in uh my lifetime this isn't to say that all men say this but this is just a stereotype of what they say and some some do but oh like I, i love a girl who can eat but it's only if she's skinny, which, like, that's just ridiculous. Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> like, oh, what does that yes. Mean? 
good she should be eating because she needs to to survive like that doesn't make any sense I don't know what flirting mechanism that is but in terms of body type that's something I've always struggled with I have a naturally athletic body type and that's something that I've never been shamed for but I've always felt self-conscious about just because of what the quote-unquote beautiful image of a woman is like my shoulders a little more broad (laughs) like I'm more muscular than my boyfriend like that's a little bit funny like people sometimes are like what that doesn't make any sense she's like yeah I I am that's just how my body is of course there's that whole culture with women in body types like oh oh, now she's got to be thick she's got to like have have a a big booty and a small waist and big boobs like we can never win can we (laughs) we can never win (laughs) that's the whole idea you can't win and no matter what sport you're participating in there's always a standard that is literally unachievable Mm -hmm. you can't win and you're so right about the stereotype of women in soccer about having a huge butt and Mm -hmm. yeah like a tiny waist (laughs) i mean yeah really any sport and it's just what do we you know like think about a guy when's the last time anyone anyone was needed their man to be oh i have something to talk about (laughs) it's like dad bods girls find dad bods attractive but you never say mom bod (laughs) that's funny i think it's like the uh the volleyball teams in the olympics and how women are in like bikinis that barely cover anything for no reason but other than the male gaze like um, do they have they have they have volleyball champ- championships for men, right? Yeah, I don't. They, I doubt they wear bathing suits that mm-hmm. like, like it just doesn't make any sense to me why they wouldn't wear like normal it's, uniforms or like they're they're just sexualized basically. And it's all with capitalistic gain because of I literally know I've heard boys say they watch female volleyball Olympics just to look at their bodies. And another thing is that when uh they're being filmed for tv and national television so it's televised like they tend to focus on like those parts of the females are like they they don't they don't pay attention to the game it's like focused towards the female like it's just totally sexualized for no reason like Mm. they're playing a sport that's that's what this is about but they're not making it about the sport at least the people who are broadcasting it Exactly, but it should it should be about the sport, but again, it never is, and it never really goes back to that, and that's why it's so hard, at least for, for me, I don't know how you feel about being a female athlete and feeling like there's so much I need to keep up with and mm. kind of portray myself in a certain way, even when I'm running down the street, you know, I feel like I have... I have to attain a certain amount of power so that a man won't try to talk to me while I'm running. You know, there's there's nothing I could do to change that. And, you know, maybe I want to run in the summer in a sports bra and spandex. And then, of course, that's going to attract a gaze. And that's going to attract comments because mm-hmm. it's happened to me before. But if, a, you know, like... If the guy is shirtless, it doesn't matter. And that's just a whole other thing. At the end of the day, every athlete, I think, can vouch for the fact that they want to exhibit a certain amount of power. But that power, the idea of power, is inherently masculine. Mm-hmm. So it's like, where's where is the right balance? The quote-unquote right balance for a woman. We all experience it differently, but there's no good way to kind of feel, feel comfortable about it. I mean, I don't know if 
if you feel comfortable, but I've certainly a bunch of times felt intimidated and uncomfortable just by going outside. Yeah, I've definitely like, usually I try to like <laughs> present myself as pretty strong and like, I don't really care about what anybody thinks of me, but there have been times when I've, uh, for rowing, we have to wear these things called the unis. It's essentially a leotard with shorts, but for rowers, they're honestly oh. not at all attractive. Males and females have to wear them. Don't look good on anybody, in my opinion. People look at each other when they wear wear them. Like, I've seen guys gazing at me and my other teammates, and it's just like, leave us alone. Like, And I've gotten whistled at and catcalled, and that's just, that's just, and it, in its essence, the nature of being a female. That's just something we're always going to have to deal with, which sucks. Yeah, that's how it is right now, at least. Again, what you're saying about the feeling of just never feeling like you're enough and not like you can't win in mm-hmm. that situation and it's just hard especially for me with running like starting a race and present like you're saying presenting myself with strength and you know trying to seem like I have it all together but there's just ideas that women have to be you know like looked out after more and they're mm-hmm. more more delicate and fragile and can't take as much but that's just not that's just not true yeah. at all. And I think it's definitely getting better. Like, I don't think anything's getting worse. And after the midterm elections, we get some more women in power, so that's awesome. But it's not where it should be. And I don't know when it's going to get there. <laughs> exactly. So that's kind of actually, you segued into that really oh. well. <laughs> Have you seen any, sh- specifically looking at athletics? Because I know mm-hmm. politically we definitely have, which is great. Yeah. But in your athletic experience have you seen any type of shift towards female empowerment in any way kind of you know in relation to campaigns like dove and portraying women as powerful and not focusing on their the delicacy that is associated with femininity i mean i think there have been a lot of yeah so like dove like there have been a lot of ads released recently i think in terms of nike and just a bunch of brands that have been showing female empowerment and even in my sports teams, like back in high school when things were co-ed and we would all do the same practice warm-ups and we would all be given the same things. I think it's getting there and I've seen female empowerment among myself and my not my, my teammates. I've seen it. I don't think that it's going to get where it needs to be until... I, I don't know if it will, honestly. Like in my ideal situation, women's sports would be broadcasted as much as male sports evenly like or even more i don't see that happening in the near future but in my ideal world that is a place where i can say okay like this feels equal i completely agree with you when i think about like representation of female empowerment in relation to sports i automatically think of tv Mm -hmm. and because that's where everybody sees it it's where everyone sees it you're completely right football Mm-hmm. Hockey, baseball. I don't basketball. even know if there are female football teams that are televised. I, 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 I haven't seen <laughs> any. I, we I wouldn't know for any, but like, we wouldn't know. Yeah. Think about it too. In female representation in the media, athletically, it's soccer, volleyball, mm-hmm. dance. Dance, dance is another big thing that I mean. I guess that's almost like the flip flop which we've talked about earlier with how gay men have the stereotype or men have the stereotype if they're dancers, they are gay, which is not true. But it's almost as if women own dance because it's seen as 
delicate and exactly. often sexualized. It is very sexualized. All about, and it's, think about it too, it's all about the look. Mm-hmm. All about how you dress, your makeup, your facial expressions, keeping up this always happy, light, delicate persona often. Mm-hmm. And if you've ever seen Dance Moms or at least heard of it, you can see how sexualized some of those girls are in the costumes and honestly that's not to say that it's anybody's fault because those moms put their daughters in those costumes i don't know why it's so sexualized sometimes but or it's seen this way as something that's fragile and delicate but when i was growing up doing dance like i guess i never touched on my experience doing dance which i know you did too some people i would talk to them about how like oh dance is a sport like i think i even have arguments with my brother about how it's a sport and he's like, no, it's not. It's not a sport, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, let me look up the dictionary definition of a sport and tell you that it's any physical activity or something like that. And then he was like, well, blah, blah, blah. I didn't have a very good argument for it. But um, so many people have told me it's not. And I'm like, well, I am getting just as much exercise doing this as you are doing soccer or whatever sport you play. Maybe it's not a contact sport. Like, hell, rowing isn't a contact sport but it's still a sport. Dance, I guess, dance is an art form as well as a sport, and I think that's why maybe many people are like, oh, no, it's not a sport because they already see it as something else. Uh, But it can be both, and it is. (laughs) Exactly. And what you just said kind of reminded me of, like, specifically hockey and football. Fighting in hockey is legal. In Mm. football, obviously, it's based in aggression, tackling, Mm -hmm. jumping all over each other. You know, I can picture many a time watching football where the ball gets loose and 80 giant men wrestling on the field to fight for it. Mm -hmm. And that's just what people probably like your brother and (laughs) no I mean similarly to mine as well that's what they've been exposed to so that's like that's sports the rough and tough strength and fighting you know it has to be some game or race but it's not true that's so true the idea of fierce competition like if you look at the Olympics gymnastics is a sport in that it's very very similar to dance we don't have dance competitions in Um, The Olympics, per se, I feel like uh, maybe we should, but maybe it's a little bit too technical for that. I don't know. Um, (laughs) That'd be a little interesting to add a new category. But, um, yeah, I think that dance is 110% a sport. Um, If you've ever done dance, you know how complicated some of those technical moves are. You know how hard you have to work. You You know how physically in shape you have to be. I think some people just think that we go into studio, prance around a little bit, make a combination of things, and wear pretty costumes. But that's not true. Um, When I danced, we had training sessions every day before we would practice the actual moves where we would just do either cardio or leg workouts or Zumba or things to get our core and our muscles moving because you need those things to be able to do some of these movements. so yeah, dance is physical, dance is a sport. Uh, don't tell me otherwise or I'll come for you. <laughs> Moral of today's story, dance is a sport. Thank you so much. <laughs> it's true though, that you, I think that's a, really, that's a really great comparison, yeah. dance, especially mm-hmm. you and I both being dancers. Yeah. It's a sport where you can really see it. And I think coming from a dance background and now being a heavy runner, mm-hmm. I've kind of experienced more of feeling more powerful because 
running in general is associated with power and maybe mm-hmm. not as feminized in certain ways because it is I, I, I mean I, I'd say it's pretty equally represented mm-hmm. male Definitely, and female in terms of which, other sports ig- exactly in relation to other sports which is why I love it so much is because I feel though there are these issues and struggles at the end of the day I feel safe in this community and mm-hmm. I feel important and it's me against myself, you know. That's yeah. that's really the main importance of of running. And I don't know if like you feel that in your sport life, but I mean most of my most of my teams are sport. Uh te- oh my god. <laughs> most of my sports are team sports that right. I've done. I have done running myself, so I understand that aspect to it. Um, but I've also danced for myself before. I've put myself in a situation where even though it's a team sport and I'm playing as a group, like I'm doing this for myself, I'm rowing for myself, um, I'm feeling good about this or feeling good about my body and how I'm getting physical activity for myself and no one else despite me being a part of a team. So I definitely feel that and agree with that. It was super interesting to kind of get your take on things and how – it is really similar, and that's kind of what I wanted mm-hmm. from this is just to kind of at the end of the day look at my running career, your career with soccer, rowing, and dance, and see how <laughs> – All the sports. <laughs> all the sports. See how they are really similar. It's super interesting. So thank you so much for coming on because I think this is a really, really interesting conversation and super important for people to hear about and talk about because feminized sports culture isn't something that's necessarily seen as positive, but I think it's important to embrace your quote-unquote typical feminine qualities while also just practicing a sport like anyone else. Thank you so much again for tuning into my podcast. I hope you learned a lot about athletic culture and I hope Emma and I's experiences really opened your eyes about what's to come with this podcast. I'll see you next time.